Hello, Discover here to explain our cash back match. Here's how it works. We give you cash back for using your Discover card on the things you were going to buy anyway. Then we match that cash back in your first year. And that's why we call it cash back match. Now to recap and say cash back one more time. We match all the cash back you've earned at the end of your first year automatically. Discover, exceptionally common sense. Learn more at discover.com slash match. Limitations apply. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. This is A Different Perspective with Kevin Randall. A retired U.S. Lieutenant Colonel, Kevin Randall has been studying UFOs for nearly 50 years. Kevin has investigated some of the most famous UFO cases in the world and has been consulted for dozens of documentaries about UFOs. Considered one of the leading experts into the Roswell UFO crash of 1947, Kevin has written more than 25 books about UFOs, including the recently published Roswell in the 21st Century. Now, here is the host of A Different Perspective, Kevin Randall. And welcome. We are back, and I have a special guest with me today, Carol Ramey. Rainey. I cannot believe I said that. Carol Rainey. I'm going to read this because her her uh, bio she sent me is rather impressive and rather long. Uh, Carol Rainey is a writer and a filmmaker who has produced, written, and directed award-winning PBS and independent documentaries on medicine and science. She was awarded grant funding for 15 documentary films from the National Institutes of Health. Once the films were complete, Rainey developed marketing and distribution strategies for the new products. Her narration, narrative short film, Mama Gets Her Ready, won a National Endowment for the Arts Regional Fellowship and toured European and European museums with Los Angeles contemporary exhibits. She was married to the basically world-famous artist and the UFO researcher Bud Hopkins from 1996 to 2006. She co-authored with him the nonfiction book Sight Unseen, Science, UFOs, and Transgenic Beings. In Sight Unseen, paranormal experience is used as an entree into the complex and startling breakthroughs in such fields as transgenics, bioengineering, neurobiology, and quantum physics. Rainey was featured as a was a featured speaker at the Cosmos and Consciousness Forum in 2008 and at the International UFO Congress in 2004. And she has appeared in radio satellite tours on Westwood Run and ABC Radio. Uh, she lives in Brooklyn, New York. She brings to the table uh, insight into uh, the abduction phenomenon that she uh, studied with Bud Hopkins. She was producing a documentary film about his work. And so she knows an awful lot about UFO abductions. 
She's also uh, mentioned that she had uh, been a member of the uh, on the board of advisors for the Intruders Foundation, but she resigned because she saw the research had stagnated. It hadn't gone anywhere, which is kind of something that Russ Estes, Bill Cohn, and I had discussed in the book uh, um, The Abduction Enigma, about how research really wasn't going anywhere. So we're going to talk about that, and we're going to talk about a UFO crash, because that is something that is near and dear to my heart, and we'll get on with that. So let me introduce Carol Rainey. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Kevin. I think I need a shorter bio. <laughs> uh, it, it fills up a lot of time, so we don't have to think, so it's a good thing to do. All right. uh, you had mentioned in, I guess, our email discussions that you had resigned mm-hmm. for the, resigned from the, the Intruders Foundation. And I mentioned mm-hmm. briefly kind of the reason why. Can you, can you expand on that? What, what uh, brought you to that point? What, what caused you to do that? Well, a couple of things. One um, is very personal, but the, the, um, my husband's mistress was on the board, and there, weren't, there wasn't room for two women on the same board, um, two women associated with Bud. So that was a very uh, you know, clear reason. And um, then also what I said to them, was I'm sorry I wasn't more active in the Intruders Foundation board because I genuinely thought those were strong, excellent people. You know, an astronomer, an engineer, um, um, several therapists, people who were really dedicated and very smart, a medical writer too. And their skills needed to have been put to use in in being a peer with Bud in his research. And I began to feel that they were just being used to, you know, lift the cartons of uh, Coke and the bottles of wine for the seminars. And really, I don't think any of them ever wanted anything like that. They wanted to be part of a research team. And, um, I mean, I was indirectly because I was often there on the other side of the camera. <clears throat> but I, I told them, I, I think, um, in the beginning, I was very active and supportive in Intruders Foundation activities. Um, but as, as time went on, in our house, it was UFOs 24-7, and there was just no juice left for anything else. It, it was a really all-consuming thing that happened in that household. And what I felt I needed to say to folks, not that they might, they might have observed this themselves, I felt the field of UFO research in general um, was just repeating itself. It we're going to have to take a great uh, quick break. We will come back to All that right. point just as soon as Great. we can uh, about the stagnation of the UFO research field. So we'll be right back with Carol Rainey right after these short messages. So stick around. Gibbs A. Williams, Ph.D., is a practicing psychoanalyst, supervisor, researcher, and author in New York City. Much of his life has been dedicated to understanding nature and the uses of meaningful coincidences or synchronicities. 
His radical and original non-Jungian, non-mystical, non-magical theory of synchronicities illuminates much of the fog surrounding this challenging and perplexing topic. His ideas and manners are fresh, presented in a style that is both entertaining and highly informative. He is also an expert on crisis intervention, specially focused on violence reduction for the police and citizens, mastering anxiety, frustration, and stress without the use of medication, and effectively preventing and treating heroin addiction. Dr. Williams can be contacted at his email address at gwwilliamsny11 at aol.com or visit his website at www.drgibbswilliams.com. Shamanism is recognized as a method to access the quantum level. Mastery of shamanic skills puts spiritual information and healing power into your hands. Path Home Shamanic Art School, a bonded Colorado certified occupational school, has met rigorous state standards ensuring its director and instructors have the qualifications to teach the shamanic arts. Path Home offers its certification program in blocks of study. Block 1, a five-day intensive, will be held in the beautiful mountain town of Coldale, Colorado, October 13th through 18th, Registration deadline is September 12th. Experience journey trance, power animals, helping spirits, sacred space, and life purpose. Come discover your power. Join me, Gwilda Wiyaka, in the magical world of shamanism. Call 303-775-3431 or visit findyourpathhome.com. This is Kevin Randall. For nearly 30 years, I have been investigating the case of the Roswell UFO. I have interviewed hundreds of people and stood on the crash site. Now in Roswell in the 21st century, I have reviewed dozens of hours of audio and videotaped interviews, examined hundreds of files that relate to the crash, and have returned to Roswell in an attempt to put all that information into the proper perspective. For the first time in Roswell in the 21st century, I have made a dispassionate reevaluation of all that material and provide a new look at what happened. This is a book that clears away all the clutter that has hidden the truth for so long strips away the various lies that surround the case, exposes the Air Force attempts at cover-up, and found a core of solid information that tells us all where the case stands today. Roswell in the 21st Century will be available in just a few weeks. For more information, please visit my website at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. We are back with Carol Rainey, who was a member of the Intruders uh, Foundation, who's been doing abduction research for many years, or had done abduction research for many years. You can find her at uh, www.carolrainey, and that's R-A-I-N-E-Y, carolrainey.com, if you want to know more about her, uh, her work and what she has done. When we left, we were kind of talking about the stagnation of abduction research, and I think all UFO research uh, in, in general, a, a topic that I've touched on in other places and other times. Uh, you know, Carol, what exactly did you see is is the problem with the the abduction research? Where was it stagnating? It was it it hadn't grown um, into any better uh, way of, of, of doing research. The, it was just the same stories were told over and over. 
um, as people came into the living room and sat down and did the intake interview with Bud, I'd hear the same stories over and over and just the names, the dates, and the places changed. So it it really wasn't that fascinating after a while. You're, you're kind of uh, rolling your eyes a little bit and uh, feeling restless. But, you know, if I felt that the methods of measuring and quantifying information were getting better, I might have stuck around. But the we're going family style deal because i want a bite of your big mac and i need some of your quarter pound i'll try your filet of fish there's a deal for every friend group at mcdonald's order any two classics for just six bucks price of participation may vary single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer geico asks how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance of course you would and when it comes to great rates on insurance geico can help like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. Nothing like that has been put in place, to my knowledge. It, it, I mean, it might have changed. I am not, you know, firmly in the middle of the UFO community anymore, uh, so I don't know. Somebody may have done that. When you um, when you say when you say you were hearing the same stories over and over again, did you get a feeling that they were uh, concocted in some way? That while the person might truly believe what he or she was saying, that the story wasn't really based in reality. Yes. Um, several times. I mean, one was with um, two witnesses, suppose, alleged witnesses, um, I don't know, 22 and 23, to the Linda Cortila case. Um, one of them, as I was taping, just said to Bud, it was only when he read Witness. Now, this was 12 years after the event happened. He said he read Witness, and all of his memories came rushing back. And then he just parroted the book back to Bud. And that that person then got later put up on the podium at an Intruders Foundation um, um, event where people paid, I forget, $25 or something to come in. And I just thought that I was just overwhelmed by that. It, people shouldn't have to pay for Charlotte, charlatans, basically. And um, there was another one along those lines. But, you know, almost everybody who came in came in carrying either a Dave Jacobs book or one of Bud's books under their arm. So they came in pretty well established in knowing the right, the right answers to to how they should be feeling about all this. And, well, when you um, say when you say right answers, uh, I'm I'm struck by something that John Mack had said. Uh, he said mm -hmm. it to Russ Estes and Bill Cohn on videotape, mm -hmm. and he and he said it to um, uh, Bryant in his book on Close Encounters of the Fourth Kind, which he was struck mm -hmm. by sort of a marrying of the uh, abductee to the researcher. In other words, if they believed yeah. in cold calculating aliens, they ended up with Bud Hopkins. Mm -hmm. If they believed with uh, aliens in the Eastern philosophy, they ended up with John Mack. And if they were hybrid invaders, they ended up with David Jacobs, which would suggest mm -hmm. 
that there's an implantation of the belief structure of the researcher in that specific uh, abductees. Is, is that kind of what you're saying? Absolutely. I mean, I have an audio taped um, support group session, the first one I was ever at, and I was really disconcerted by the way it was run. Now, remember that I was coming from close to four years of working with a rather large institute of many epidemiologists, and the money came from the National Institutes of Health, so I got very familiar with the way that research was set up, and that includes the way you set up um, support groups to gain information on how regular people feel about something or how they're eating or how they're, you know, weighing themselves, but there's a, there's a protocol for that, and the first thing is um, do not talk. Um, you do not tell the um, the participants of the support group what it is that you want them to say. And it has to be as pristine an environment as possible. But what would happen in the support groups that Bud did is he would ask a question and then he would immediately jump in totally full of energy and enthusiasm, which is why he was a really sweet, infectious guy. I mean, his energy was infectious. It was wonderful. But so he'd jump in to answering the question by telling the people at the support group, whether it was, I don't know, 25 or so people it might be, but he would tell them about a case that he was really interested in right now. And it sort of set the stage for what people would then be rewarded by feeding to him. Well, when the people, yeah. when the people, when the people came in to these to, to uh, be interviewed by Bud, whether it was in a support group mm-hmm. or individually, uh, you said right. a lot of them had read Intruders. Does it, is, yeah. is it is that suggesting they were sort of primed into a specific philosophy, or they they believed they had been abducted and they just wanted uh, Bud to validate what they had? what they believed, or were they truly concerned about some aspect of their life that uh, was maybe going awry and and thought this might be an answer? I would say the latter most often. People would come because what they're reading or seeing on television suggests that whatever it is that's bothering them, the inability to have a relationship or um, inability to hold down a job, or why you're scared of clowns, or why you never go to the dentist. There was some element of disruption in normal life that they thought maybe the alien abduction phenomenon might explain. So they were looking for a specific answer, which was alien abduction explains my problems in life. Yes. Yes, often. Not always, but certainly often. Did they come in with the stories, their stories, set in their minds, or were they sort of dug out through hypnosis? Was there anybody that had a clear, uh, vivid memory of the abduction phenomena that did not require uh, hypnotic regression to lead them into that place? I only recall one or two people who felt that what they were... um, talking to Bud about was all recovered um, consciously. It was almost always under hypnosis. When when the 
when Linda Cortila told me on on camera that 85% of her um, her memories were recovered under hypnosis. I remember this was the first year I'm involved in this, right? So I just remember thinking, oh my God, that's not a good answer. That's not, that's not good. <laughs> and, you know, in fact, it turned out in my way of thinking to be really unfortunate that that is how she got her material. Well, Bud, um, I think originally used somebody else to conduct the hypnotic regression sessions, but then he began conducting them himself. So what sort of training did he have to do uh, to perform hypnotic regressions? I think observation of two, maybe three different psychologists and or psychiatrists. He did observe for several years, but... I will say this, I think Bud was a really terrific hypnotist. I think, I mean, you could, you can often tell when a person is so deeply relaxed that memories will flood forward or can flood forward for a, you know, confabulation of something they saw on television, something they walked past a showroom window. And something their mother said, that all flows together, and that's what comes out. You, you can't tell, really. But he was very good at getting people down into that deep level where they almost sounded drunk. There was a, a slurring of the speech and um, a, a slowness, and people really were turning their it's a little bit like if you if you go into a virtual reality uh headset you end up turning your body this way and that and peering forward and looking down at your feet because you think something's coming well people who are deeply in a trance will do a lot of that and you know to me that was interesting that i could see that happen um did you get a feeling that Bud, uh, when he was conducting the hypnotic regression sessions, you get a feeling that he was kind of leading the people into uh, where he wanted them to go as opposed to just gathering the information? Mm-hmm. Um, yes, it's a complex would, question. I, I, <laughs> it is because I won't absolutely won't say that that's what he did in every occasion. But there were some pretty egregious errors of uh, leading that are hard to let go. And one I wrote about, um, posted fairly recently on um, Jack Brewer's blog. Um, It was the um, Bud's hypnosis with um, uh, briefly a very famous singer who had had a brain damaged and very deformed daughter. And um, the woman, when we went to visit her, said that the girl was having all of her uh, 24 dysmorphologies were being reversed. And I'm thinking, oh, no, that isn't medically possible. I mean, you can't can't reverse engineer um, a, a medical birth defect but you can work with the problem you know as in taking 
uh, uh, drugs to you know lower the edema or getting the person to exercise so if they can walk on their own you can help was, with those handicaps was the was the singer uh, the abductee or was the daughter abductee yes. or were both of them no no it was a singer and i had been speaking with a member of the intruders foundation one day when something really embarrassing happened at home, um, I think they, several guys had been looking for a place to hide a birthday present for Bud. And they, they slipped into the, um, the pottery room of the woman who shared the house with Bud up on the third floor. And they had knocked a really, really heavy firing kiln off its off its base. And it would take some strength to do that. So the woman called us and was really upset and said she didn't know what was going on. And all of the, the board is sitting there, you know, as Bud gets this call. And he stops and he gets really quiet. And everybody gets quiet too because Bud is off, not often really quiet so there's something happening so everybody well, let me, gets quiet let me break, let me break in here because we're going to have to take a quick break Oh dear. Uh, but okay. we'll come back to that as soon as we get, get back right. uh, you can okay. find Carol Rainey's uh, website at www.carolrainey.com and we'll be back talking about abductions and the UFO crash in Santa Rosa right after these quick messages did you break. know that when you're so on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exome Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, High Tech with Corey Kay, and every minute of the 24-7, 365 programming of the Exome Broadcast Network by calling 712-432-9459, courtesy of TalkStream Live. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 712-432-9459 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember, 712-432-9459 for the best of paranormal, new age, thought-provoking, sci-fi radio programming 24-7-365. Wouldn't you love to know the secret to everything? Well then, meet Dr. Kimberly McGeorge and her cutting-edge breakthrough knowledge that combines science with possibility. Dr. Kimberly brings real-life answers and healing to those open to alternative solutions. She teaches solution-based programs and classes that will change all areas of your life forever. Specializing in conscious creation, intuitive readings, and energy medicine, you can rapidly shift health, relationships, business, and money and abundance challenges quickly. Receive her best-selling book, Secret to Everything, at no cost by going to secrettoeverything.com forward slash xzone. That's right. Transformation can start now. Just go to secrettoeverything.com forward slash xzone and receive Dr. Kimberly's book for free. While science pursues fact, 
magic accesses the quantum level, bridging random facts to form truth. As long as science and magic remain separate and polarized, the truth cannot be known. I'm Gwilda Wiecka. Join me on the Science of Magic radio program, dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. During each episode, I'll be speaking with experienced and respected scientists and mystics. From astrologers to astronomers, from medical doctors to shaman, the scientific method to dowsing and intuition, we'll weave together information from seemingly divergent practices to promote unity and enlightenment. Join me, Gwilda Wiyaka, and the Science of Magic right here on the Mutual Broadcast Network. For more information, visit www.thescienceofmagic.net. I am Dr. Carl O'Helvey, founder, president of a new cancer foundation focusing on evidence-based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com. We are back with Carol Rainey talking about abductions. You can find her website at www.carolrainey.com. And when we took our break there, we were talking about uh, three burly guys trying to hide a birthday present for Bud Hopkins in the home of the woman who had been abducted. And they knocked her kiln off center or off kilter, you might say. Uh, <laughs> So uh, Bud was upset about this? Well, he got a phone call from the woman we shared the house with, and she was upset saying, how did my kiln get moved? And he was sitting in the middle of, you know, all the, the board members were around, and he got really quiet, and everyone listened, and he said, the aliens did it. And he said they did that to show that they're, they are present while you people are sitting here. And I remember feeling mortified. And, I mean, I didn't know who had moved the kiln at that point, but it just seemed way too pat an answer. So after the meeting was over, I spoke to one of the board members, and I said, oh, what, what do you think was going on there? And... Um, he said, well, clearly, but it's way too credulous to be doing this kind of research. He said, what I want to know is, did this, was he always like this, or is this something that's come uh, upon him in his later years? And I said, well, I can't tell you that, because I was not there in the beginning. And so... Um, oops, I forgot to tell you an important part, is that after, sometime after Bud said the aliens did this to show their presence in the house, 
Um, a few minutes later, two of the guys spoke up and said, sorry, I just need to correct you on this. We think we knocked the kiln off. We were hi- hiding your birthday gift in it. So that's when. So later, the, uh, the friend of mine said, it's just too credulous. What, what is going on here? And did this always happen? So I had been to the house of this singer, and it was a pretty disastrous meeting. Um, but uh, I went and listened to the tape from 10 years earlier when he first uh, did hypnosis with this woman who had the unfortunately brain-damaged child. And... Um, I mean, she was very thin-bodied with a sort of big head and big eyes. You can see why they might think that. But, you know, under... I I was just sort of horrified that in that discussion with her uh, afterwards and before and during the hypnosis session, he tells her that the reason the child was... Uh, shaped the way that she was is because she was a botched um, alien human experiment. You know, the mother starts crying and crying, and but assures her again and again. Well, we know that she's she's partly yours too, but she's partly theirs. And um, under hypnosis, he says he directly says to her. Um, did they implant you with their seed? And she hadn't been saying anything like that up to that point. I mean, I think that's that piece of audio is on Jack Brewer's um, uh, website too. And well, the you can hear it. I'm, go ahead. Well, the impression I get from from your discussion is, is <laughs> Bud was very passionate about his research. Yes. He. Uh, truly believed what he was saying uh, based yes. on his observation and his research with, with the people, but he might have been a little bit overly enthusiastic about where his research was taking him. Yes, absolutely. And I mean, this, this is not, Bud was not somebody who, you know, willingly made this all happen. I think that as an artist, as Bits and pieces came into his 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 sight line. I think that he he began to shape the phenomenon himself. He was an artist. He almost couldn't help it. That's what he did. But he's and, but he's not consciously doing that. It's something that he's doing sort of subconsciously based on what he believes. Mostly, but. Again, I can't get inside his mind other than to, uh, you know, re- listen to the tapes and watch the audio or watch the videotapes and read his books. I can't, I can't tell you that, but I do know that he was a true believer, and so is David Jacobs a true believer. And so was John um, I, Mack. I, and so was John Mack. Well, you know, towards the end of John's life, he did write something. I was trying to find that and can't find the source for it right now. John said, I made a mistake in taking these reports um, as anything but metaphor. He said something like that. He, he said that was his mistake. And I, I need to find where that is written down or where he says that. 
And I and that's because he moved on to his next uh, field of research in the possibility of life after death. So and, he was um, he was moving his his research was evolving away from UFO abductions into yes. another aspect, which is in essence the same thing. We gathered the information basically through hypnotic regression. Well, he hadn't gotten that far. This was his first step, and the odd thing is, I had called him just to catch up <clears throat> that summer in 2004, and caught him as he was packing to leave for London to meet up with um, a woman there who's very famous in these circles for um, her. She, she can communicate with her husband who died many years earlier, helps other people get in touch with um, people who died. You know, I have, I don't want to make any judgments about this because I don't know enough about it, but that's where <clears throat> John was going to either stay with this woman or, learn something from her and he was at his very at the very beginning of his research in this field and I, he, he told me that he, this was his next new adventure and I started laughing and I said oh John you're going to be as screwed with that field as you were with UFOs and he laughed too and uh, he said well stay tuned I'll let you know what I find out when I get back and of course we all know he didn't get back well, this kind of brings a question to mind. Is um, mm -hmm. John Mack, did he come into the field? He, he was invited to into the field by Bud. Is that correct? Yes. Oh, yes, but it was through, he was recommended by a mutual friend that he should look into this. And I think Bud handed him a stack of unopened letters. And um, John just opened them. And just, I mean, that's a pretty random uh, you know, suitable way for him to get knowledgeable about it, to see what people are are sending him, and to just give him, you know, letters taken at random, basically, and that gives you a, a pretty good cross section of people's concerns. And as he read letter after letter, and I'm sure he also met several of uh, people who worked with Bud. He said that these people are not insane, which I totally agree with. And he said, I didn't know what was happening and he needed to, to follow it up. And then he began to look into it himself. John Mack said something that, that I thought was very interesting. He said that this being a, a, an abductee is not a group that somebody wants to join, that anybody would, a club nobody wants to join. And in the research that I had done with Russ Estes and Bill Cohn, it seemed to be that this was a, a, a club that people were clamoring to, to join well. because it gave, them, it gave them a sense of purpose. It gave them a, a, mm -hmm. a, a access to another group of people who had similar belief structures, who, who mm -hmm. had similar experiences, and it gave them sort of an identity that they may not have had up until that point. Is that something Absolutely. that you had observed? Absolutely. And I think um, even I would say this, that, that phrase that John used was probably near, near the beginning of his getting started in this field. Um, you know, this is a club nobody would want to belong to. He, he literally repeated um, Bud's most common, you know, his mantra, and he would speak it from podiums all around the world. And I, I noticed that both John and Dave Jacobs have used 
bud statements literally unchanged, many of them. And I think it's because bud was extremely good with in in language in in being able to you know speak convincingly and with with um, a sense of integrity, so that people who heard something that explained a really opaque and and delicate thing like this phenomenon, they would latch onto that phrase and just repeat it themselves. So I think that actually came from Bud. I, I, I heard John Max say it a couple of times. I don't know where, yeah. where it originated, but it, it it struck me, and it was it was something that uh, as we were doing, as I said, we were doing our research. It seemed mm-hmm. that the people were were clamoring to to join the club because yeah. of, and, and they would do outings. They would go out uh, on picnics right. together they or did. take outings yeah, together, and all of that. So it's a club that you wanted to join, and your membership had to be uh, remembering an abduction experience. Yeah, uh, yeah. The other, the other thing. No, I, I absolutely agree with you that that I mean there could be traumatic, awful experiences people might remember, but ultimately it, it as you said, it does give them a commu- a new community, and it gives them you know the 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 beam of the and I will say. Bud was very good at this too. He was a father figure to I don't know how many people. So if you get the as Linda did, you get his the beam of approval turned on you from this father figure, this famous figure. You're in a pretty good place, actually. So he was a very charismatic man, and, absolutely, and, and uh, spoke with. Uh, a sincerity that people just seem to latch on to yes. and, and accept. Yeah. Um, yes. So he also, uh, and, and he was responsible for actually bringing the abduction phenomena to the forefront because people had talked about it prior to Bud Hopkins and intruders, right. but it never got right. the traction that, that came with Bud Hopkins. Right. Well, he was very, very good um, on uh, television shows and he, he, he fought very fast on his feet and had a great, you know, repartee, and he, he was just very good at this. So he brought both David Jacobs and John into this field, and I think in the beginning they pretty much took uh, Bud's perspective on this, and then John started seeing more spiritual dimension in it or the possibility for spirit. And Dave Jacobs, of course, never saw any uh, spiritual aspect to this at all. He saw it Mm -hmm. as an invasion and the creation of hybrids to take over the earth. We're going to have to take another quick break here. I'm with Carol Rainey whose uh, website is www.carolrainey.com so you can take a look at that. Uh, We're going to try to get to uh, the Beanie UFO crash case in Santa Rosa, New Mexico in the last uh, few minutes before we have to go away. I did write about that in the book Crash When UFOs Fall from the Sky, so you can take a look there. And I also did something on my blog, which is at www.kevinrandall.com. But we will be back with Carol Rainey in just a few minutes right after this.
As host of Dialogue with Divinity, I am thrilled to join the Exxon Broadcast Network and their growing number of affiliates. My quest for a connection to the divine ignited my successful career path as an international spiritual counselor for over 40 years and author of four books and well-known metaphysical educator. My clients call me their spiritual mama. So my job is to offer you a radio show to help you grow spiritually with wisdom and get specific tools from guests who are experts in their field. Tune into Dialogue with Divinity and be part of the conversation with spirit. My goal, your happy soul. For more information, please visit my website at johannacarroll.com. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exome Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, High Tech with Corey Kay, and every minute of the 24-7, 365 programming of the Exome Broadcast Network by calling 712-432-9459, courtesy of TalkStream Live. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 712-432-9459 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember, 712-432-9459 for the best of paranormal, new age, thought-provoking, sci-fi radio programming 24-7-365. Coming soon to the Exxon Broadcast Network is a different perspective with me, Kevin Randall, as your host. We'll be taking a close look at what is happening in the world of UFOs today with side trips into the paranormal. Guests will range from those who are household names to those who have a different perspective on a variety of topics. No topic will be taboo, but there will be tough questions asked as we all search for the truth about UFOs, the paranormal, and those things that excite us. Sometimes we'll agree with a guest and sometimes we won't, but we'll try to keep the program topical. For those of you who would like to read, be sure to visit www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com and remember to listen to the other fine programs on the X-Zone Broadcast Network at www.xzbn.net. This is Kevin Randall. For nearly 30 years, I have been investigating the case of the Roswell UFO. I have interviewed hundreds of people and stood on the crash site. Now in Roswell in the 21st century, I have reviewed dozens of hours of audio and videotaped interviews, examined hundreds of files that relate to the crash, and have returned to Roswell in an attempt to put all that information into the proper perspective. For the first time in Roswell in the 21st century, I have made a dispassionate reevaluation of all that material and provide a new look at what happened. This is a book that clears away all the clutter that has hidden the truth for so long, strips away the various lies that surround the case, exposes the Air Force attempts at cover-up, and found a core of solid information that tells us all where the case stands today. Roswell in the 21st Century will be available in just a few weeks. For more information, please visit my website at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com.
What Happened in Benghazi is revealed by Nicholas Genix, author of Obama, Islam, and Benghazi. He informs the American people that President Obama deceived them by advocating a strong foreign policy prior to the 2012 presidential election, and Hillary Clinton supported this deception. As the title infers, there is a connection between Obama, Islam, and Benghazi. Ample evidence informs Americans that Obama's early indoctrination in the Quran developed an infinity for Islam, why the Quran is the source of discontent in many countries, and why the Obama foreign policy deception led to poor military action and caused the loss of American lives in Benghazi. Genix provides 36 questions for the Select Committee on Benghazi to validate if Americans are justified to mistrust President Obama and Hillary Clinton. An overview of Obama, Islam, and Benghazi is presented on the website www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. Afterlife expert Roberta Grimes was the first one to say that dying can be fun. Now her best-selling book, The Fun of Dying, is available in stores worldwide. So if you wonder whether death ends life, how it feels to die, or what heaven might be like, The Fun of Dying was written for you. And if you have always been afraid of death, or if you worry that your life has no meaning, let The Fun of Dying ease your fears and bring new meaning to your life. Nothing said in The Fun of Dying is based on the teachings of any religion. Instead, Roberta draws on evidence to explain how death happens, how it feels, and what comes next. A lot of the best death-related evidence was produced in the first half of the 20th century. When it is put together with recent discoveries, it tells a consistent and amazing story. Roberta Grimes blogs and answers questions at robertagrimes.com. Her wonderful book, The Fun of Dying, is available on Amazon and at stores worldwide wherever books are sold. We are back with Carol Rainey. We've taken up more time talking about abductions than I wanted to. I wanted to get to this uh, UFO crash in uh, Santa Rosa, Cal- uh, California, Santa Rosa, New Mexico, that Bud had investigated. Um, can you set that up a little bit for us quickly, um, Carol? Um, sure. I'll tell you when I came into it. It was in 1997. Um, but it told me about this very folksy woman who had was reporting and giving all kinds of names associated with it, that she'd been riding shotgun in in a homemade ambulance and they rushed out into the desert and um, she saw, she saw some debris and she saw several little bodies and she said, where are their parents? And the, the state troopers who were on, on site said they don't have any parents and she put loaded them into the, 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 the station wagon, and they whizzed back to town to this unbelievably tiny little hospital in Santa Rosa that was run by nuns. And Beanie says that she knows exactly how big they were because she could get an entire torso on one of her um, x-ray plates, which would be, I don't know, something like four feet long. And uh, she said then the, um, there was only the doctor who was there, and very, very shortly, the uh, Air Force came in. She called him a bird colonel. I don't know what that is. You might. That would be and, an 06. Uh, 
Yeah. That would be an mm-hmm. oak says one rank up from lieutenant colonel, one rank below brigadier general. I just right. throw so, that in. <laughs> so she says that he stormed in, had a uh, people in the big truck outside, and uh, he took everything, including her notes, um, including her x-rays. So basically there was nothing left to prove. You know, this thing happened. But what she's and, saying, is, what she's saying is, this was a, an alien spacecraft crash, and they had yes. recovered the bodies and some of the yes. wreckage, and taken it to the hospital in Santa Rosa, New Mexico. Yes. And yes. there they had done some X-rays of the individuals. They have made whatever notes they would be required to make, and an Air Force officer came in and removed every trace of evidence from from the uh, event. Yes. And she was naming names. I mean, I'm looking at a letter here from Walt Webb in March 15th, 1995. He was the original investigator. He was the primary investigator on this case. And uh, when they lost their financial support from one of the people who often supported things like this during those years, Uh, Walt had to go find a job, so he left it up to Bud, but he sent a very detailed list of what needed to be done, who needed to be talked to, and he also communicated with Beanie. Um, It was hard to tell from just talking with her, did this really happen or did it not? So um, it was only when I came back home and read through the file that I found Walter Webb's uh, notes. And he basically tells Bud, you know, I'm very, very concerned about all the inconsistencies in Beanie's testimony. And here is a list of people that you and or Beanie need to contact people she's she's mentioned. And um, I don't think they contacted any of them. I went with them in Santa Rosa to visit the widow of the ambulance driver. And I guess the ambulance driver kept a trip ticket and he could bill the U.S. government. Um, and so Beanie was, she, she talked a lot. And, you know, in this uh, widow's home, she went on and on and on and on and on. And, <laughs> um, you know, she and Bud were trying to get this very elderly woman to say yes or no or to give some detail. And she said, you know, I didn't pay any attention to the business. She said, I, I just didn't. And finally they got her to say that, oh, she sort of remembers that her husband was upset because a trip ticket was taken. But she has no idea what year that was. So that's the only confirmation we have for that, you know, other than Beanie's uh, report. So the, the documentation that they were chasing, which would have been the trip ticket, had they, they did not discover. Yes. They did not find it. And she, no, they, and the elderly woman seemed to suggest that somebody might have come and gotten a trip ticket at some point, which really yes. isn't much in the way of confirmation. No, no. No, she she seemed as if she was, I mean, it, I guess I could post that on YouTube at some point. Um, it's, it, she seems to just be either wanting them to be quiet and go away or she's being nice, but she also might remember something like that. She said she remembered that at one point her husband, the driver, was very upset about something. 
she didn't exactly attach, you know, this trip ticket to Beanie's event. She didn't. She couldn't do that. Well, you, you had so said we, we don't know. You had said mm-hmm. that there were a lot of names involved uh, for confirmation. Yes. Uh, was yep. any any of the witnesses followed up on? Could they find any of the witnesses? Was there no, any? I don't. I don't believe anyone was followed up on. So um, they. Uh, Bud pretty much took it over from Walt, and he had very little respect, I guess, for Walt, unfortunately. And to my knowledge, he never called him and kept that you know, spirit of uh, co-investigator, uh, co-investigators. He didn't keep that going. It was all his case after that. Did you have a chance to talk to Walt Webb about this? Yes, I did, several times. And what was Walt's impressions? He was angry. <laughs> he said he didn't deserve to be treated with such disrespect. It made him seem like a goon who had no no people skills and no ability to research. No, I was, I, was, I, was, I was more more looking for what was Walt's impression of the of the UFO case. I mean, it, oh, oh, he felt it was way too far out. In terms of time, it was 30 years, and there's really only one eyewitness, Beanie, and she has about four or five different contradictions in different stories that she has told to people. And what I noticed when I was there is that she started to embroider around the edges of her story. She her older sister, she said, and I have this on camera too, she, her older sister was the nurse that Glenn Dennis um, ran into during the Roswell event. Oh, and wait a minute, wait was, a minute. Let me get this straight. <laughs> she is saying that Naomi Self, the non-existent mm-hmm. witness from the Glenn mm-hmm. Dennis nonsense, right. is a corroborative, corroborative witness for this Santa Rosa story? Yes, but the sister is um, deceased, unfortunately. But we've we've managed to drag in the Roswell case now, um, right? <clears throat> and, and and so it's Glenn Dennis's nurse she ran into, and yes, yes. Oh. So she just threw that in, and then she talked about her own abduction, and I kind of looked over at Bud, like, wait a minute, she never talked about being an abductee the last time we were here. So I don't, I don't know, you know, it's, I think she is gone now. We can't ask her anymore, but, um, there was a lot of evidence that could have been followed up. Um, there's a dispatcher's name. There are two, um, uh, state troopers names. There's a sister, Assumpta, who was, um, at the hospital and another sister, uh, and the Dominican uh, headquarters in Grand Rapids is mentioned. Dr. Galvin is mentioned. Jimmy, Jimmy's warehouse is where they kept the car, and there might have been some witnesses there, or Jim's uh, Jimmy's son might have might have talked. But when we boil and it then, down, when we boil it down to its essence. You know, there's mm-hmm. all this possibility of other corroborative witnesses, but right. none of them have been talked to. Not to my knowledge, no. So we and are that's stuck. That made me upset. Yeah, I I get that. I understand that. I'm feeling the same mm-hmm. way. 
No, but, just I, I had made a short film out of it, and he went out on the road um, using that as his, you know, his, his, his uh, what do they call it, his PowerPoint in a way to attract people to the story. But when I got, got in the folder and found Walt's um, notes to him, more than notes, long letters saying this witness, this witness, and that one, and I knew they hadn't been talked to, or they certainly weren't anywhere that I'd been told. Um, I said, how is, how is this proof of, of a crashed saucer? doesn't prove anything. But, you know, she, her case ends up in, the, in Ryan's, um, Ryan Wood's book about crashed saucers. So it becomes part of history. But it isn't. It's created history. And that is really annoying. I don't know how the UFO field is going to get itself into mainstream research that's respected if this kind of crap goes on. Well, we're going to have to um, end it here, I'm afraid, because we were just really mm. out of time. Uh, yeah. This has been absolutely fascinating. Um, mm. I would like to have you back at some point and we can maybe do a little bit longer program and, and go into mm -hmm. some of these things a little bit deeper if you're willing to do so. Okay. But I, I can. I'm just absolutely fascinated by by this whole thing, especially the way some of these things have collapsed. You can mm -hmm. read more about uh, or, or learn about Carol Rainey at www.carolrainey.com and the case for the uh, crash in Santa Rosa, I published a a synopsis of it uh, in uh, April of uh, 2011, I believe, that gives you some of the uh, the details of it. But just put Santa Rosa into the search engine and you'll get it. We will see you next time on A Different Perspective. <music>